the day and age that we live in, and it's going to really shock you here, but not everybody believes like you believe. And there are a lot of people who would say that they uh, either don't believe in God uh, purposely, you know, I do not believe in God, or they just simply lack any kind of faith toward God. And those would be categorized as atheists. And we're not, uh, as believers, we are theists. We believe in one God, a creator God, and he actively intervenes and responds to his creation. Am I the only one here tonight? Okay. So I believe that. I said, I believe that. And so an atheist is without that, that belief. And then we also talked last week about a deist. And a, a deism is you believe in a creator God, one creator God, but then you believe that he did his work and then he's done. He's, there's no intervention. There's no interaction. Um, he's a distant God. And um, that is not the God of the Bible. That's not the God of the Bible. So we believe, everybody say, I believe. believe. We believe in one God, an eternal God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Creator, Redeemer. Right now in heaven, right around the throne. And and when we get up there too, it'd be the same thing. They are created beings and a mass of people, many of your loved ones, my loved ones, that are worshiping him and telling him he's worthy and he's holy and he's worthy because of two things the book of Revelation points out. It's because he was a creator and a redeemer. So if he was only a creator, then he's not a redeemer. But he's both. He's a creator and a redeemer. And I gladly serve him. We gladly live our life for him. Amen. So it's very, very important that we, we understand some things and not just corner ourselves. Well, we're believers and other people are not. And we're going to heaven and they're not. And some people like to take thrill in that. I'll tell you about that guy. He's going to hell. <laughs> you need to wind, wind down a little bit, Junior. And, and, and this is not really part of what I want to share tonight or that I had planned to share tonight. Every human being is created in the likeness and the image of God. So every human being has the capacity to fellowship with God. Let me take it further. And every human being, because they're created in the likeness and the image of God, also has the capacity to be restored to fellowship with God. Look at me and listen to me. Nobody's too far gone. Don't you give up on people. That's not our place to give up on people. You hear me? And God has one mission. He just has one mission. He promised it through Abraham. He promised it back in the beginning when he pronounced blessing and curse. And that, and that all pointed to Jesus coming and good news that would come to who? To one nation, right? To how many nations? And, and to how much of the world? To the whole world. It's one mission. It's one mission. Our Christian life is not about us just finding our little corner and our little crew. And we hold hands in Kumbaya. And have our secret hairdos, secret dress code, secret language, and a Christian accent. Y'all with me? That's revolting. That's revolting. Jesus came and put on flesh and dwelt among us and showed us. And uh, wow. We need to understand God's mission. 
And we need to have a love for people, even people who adamantly oppose you and what you believe. And uh, let's look at some things. And some of y'all, this may be a little hard for you because you, you've been that way for a long time. Well, I'm believing God will help you tonight. I truly am. Romans chapter 3, verse 3 and 4 says, For what if some did not believe? Well, they're going to hell, I'll tell you. <laughs> no. What if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? You answer me. No. Well, the next verse goes on and answers it too. And it says this, certainly not. It's very emphatic in the Greek. Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true, but every man a liar. So even if somebody doesn't believe in him, guess what? He's still true. Can I give you part of the meaning of true? Real. Real. So if there would be people, and there are, they're atheists, they're agnostics, they're, they're, they're people that don't believe that God is real. Does that make God not real? No. And I want you to bear that in mind as we go along tonight. In 1 Peter chapter 3, here's our part, verse 15 and 16. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Let me stop just for a moment and, and get some of the fullness of that word. Sanctify is not just make holy, not just set apart. It actually has the idea of so centering and settling something. So sanctify this in your hearts. Set apart your heart, your life. Uh, Get it settled. Get it centered. The Lord God in your hearts. Get settled about that. You with me? And always, everybody say always. Always be ready to give a defense. And this this is the... Uh, the Greek word apologia, which we get the word apologetics. That, that's what we're talking about here tonight, apologetics. Now, when we're talking about apologetics, we're not apologizing. Do you understand? Uh, we're not apologizing, but it is forming words, thoughts, reasons, putting it together so that you can give a defense, so that you can give, and we'll see a, a related word here in a moment, a reason Let me read. And always be ready to give a defense. Not be defensive, but give a defense to everyone who asks. Note that word. Who asks you a reason. There's another related word. For the hope that is in you. All right, let's get this settled. Do you have a hope that's in you? Do you think it should probably show up? That we're not hopeless people. We've been talking about it on Sunday mornings. We're We're not the ones that should be dragging our tail. We're not the one, oh, oh no, we're, we're not those people. We know something, we believe something, we have a hope that is in us. Amen. So notice again, always be ready to give a defense for, to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you. Not just, just that you have it, why do you have it? Give a reason, don't just tell them the gospel, tell them why that matters, tell them why, why that changed your life. A reason for the hope that is in you, not grandma, not Pastor Tim, you. Watch this. With meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, they, those who revile your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed. Powerful verse. And this is where we, one place that we find our, our basis, our foundation Um, for apologetics. And that is to be able to, you ready for this? To discuss with other people, to discuss with other people why you believe what you believe, why you have hope in you. 
and how to do it, a, a way that you approach doing this. Um, I want you to notice something that I had you repeat this word. Uh, always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you, who asks you. In the Greek, do you know what that word means? Asks. <laughs> it's someone who inquires. They want to obtain. So let me just point this out. In these discussions, you are not to be the aggressor. Also, you are not to be aggressive. And it points out here us that we're to do all of this with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. With meekness and fear. Gentleness and respect. We're to do it courteously. It has to do with our attitude. It has to do with our approach. Our attitude will determine our approach. Uh, we're to be diplomats, not ideologues. A, a diplomat is tactful and skillful. How many of you know that sometimes, you know, there have been times in all our life, oh, we've got to tell the children, Fluffy ran away. <laughs> you know, there's a tactful way to do that, understood? And then there's a devastating way to do that. And with anything that is worthy of being presented, it is worthy of being presented right. And we're to be diplomats. One of the synonyms for diplomat is this, minister. And we are to all be a minister. And we're to be tactful, we're to be skillful, and we're working on both of those tonight. We're not to be an ideologue. An ideologue is just uncompromising. They're real dogmatic about everything, and that, and that doesn't work well. I believe this, and this is a takeaway principle for us. We must seek to honor those that we hope to influence. We need to get out of our mind. Get get this now. And I shared this with you last week. Y'all need to smile more. Honestly, this is is good stuff here. Um, You need to get out of your mind and just change this mindset that a person who, quote, opposes you in what you believe, they're not an object. They're not a target that we're going to argue with. They're not an object or target to be converted. And they're not somebody to hate. Are you all with me? This is so, so important because we're just one part of the whole thing to help bring them, hopefully, to faith in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will be the director. And I promise you, he's going to want you to do it with his personality. He's going to want us to represent him well. Well, what is the personality of the Holy Spirit? Galatians 5, 22 and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is the personality of the Spirit. He's working in us day by day by day to, that our personality, our life, our approach to life, our mindset of life would be more and more like him. Can I get a good Yahoo, amen, Reese's cup, something on that one? All right. All right. Good deal. Because we, we've got to get that or we get, we get stuck on this. They are not objects. They are not targets to be converted, to be argued with, to hate somehow. Uh, these are people made in the likeness and the image of God. And we're going to have some part playing in their life. Now, the atheist has two issues, two problems with religion and Christianity. And I want to get all of this... I don't want to use the big word for this. The big word is evidential. And that just means that they, they want proof. And part of their argument, their issue is that there's not proof of God. So we want to find out how to address that. 
The second issue that they have is what is referred to, and they've got a lot of issues, a lot of questions and, and arguments. The second one has to do with the conduct of religion, the conduct of religion. And so we'll just use the word conduct here. And how many of you know there have been a lot of things done in the name of religion that God probably didn't approve of? Let me ask it again. How many of you know there have probably been a lot of things done in the name of religion, even in the name of Jesus, that God did not approve of? And you know what that has done? That has stiff-armed people away from a loving, incredible God. Why would I believe in a God like that? There have been so many things done. You read, read through church history, and it's like I'm embarrassed. I want, to go, I want to take a world tour and go apologize. I want to go dig up some people and apologize, you know, uh, for what has been done throughout church history at times. So let's do our best to get this right. Holy Spirit, help us. Let's stay in the light of the word and let's do things that are pleasing to him. Amen. Now, there are two main approaches, uh, ways of answering these things. And the first would be rational. And the second would be relational. I'll go ahead and tell you this. I'm going to tell you this a little bit later. But you ready for this? Because sometimes this gets so heady. But you do need to know this. uh, Relational usually trumps rational. Relational usually trumps rational. Let me point to you something, a a little side note too. Relational invitational evangelism is the number one most effective form of of evangelism in the world too. There's something about relationship. And did Jesus come to the earth to establish religion or relationship? Because he knows that's the whole thing. What is the only thing that we're going to take out of here when, when we go die or fly? What's the only thing? Relationships, relationships, not our stuff. And I know we, We shine our stuff, dust our stuff, paint our stuff, insure our stuff, display our stuff. Are are y'all with me? And I'm I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, and then you're going to die. I mean, I hate to be the one to tell you that, but. And then your stuff. Anything on this table is a dollar. Y'all, y'all with me? Or we fly in either way. Well, I'm going to hide my stuff. I'm going to get it when we come back after the rapture. Yeah, good luck with that. Good luck with all of that. Let me keep going. Y'all okay? You're not going to die tonight. Okay, so. And if we do, I'm not afraid is not afraid. All right. Rational and relational. Now I want to go through four rational arguments. I'm just going to do them real quick. I've, I've studied these. I've written some papers on some of these, but I'm not going to even pretend to be a, any kind of expert in this. We're just going to take just bits of these, make a point with them. And then I want to move on to relational because I, I really, I, I believe that relational always trumps rational. But at the same point, let's don't be dumb. 
part of, a, of the whole purpose of apologetics, get this now, part of the whole purpose of apologetics is to get thinkers to be believers and to get believers to be thinkers. And there's a lot of believers that haven't been thinkers. And we just fall into groupthink. And we just take, well, they said, and Grandma said, and, yeah, and, we take, and that's why we end up doing some things in the name of religion, in the name of God, that really wasn't his at all. We'll keep going. Um, this realm, rational, can get very philosophical. And so that's a warning. Because how many of you know that philosophical can get bizarre? It can get bigger. It, it can get really, really bizarre and weird. Uh, I was reading some things the other day in preparation for this and different statements that would come out of certain uh, schools of thought of philosophy. There's even some philosophy that says this, I'm not sure that I exist. So if you ever find anybody that says that, well, I'm not sure that I exist. Or they say, I'm not sure that you exist. Either way, go ahead and say, give me $20. It won't even matter, okay? Go for 50. And then get part of that to the next gen rooms, okay? All right. All right. We're not even going to spell all these out right now. The first way that I want to look at you, one of the uh, rational approaches to somebody I don't believe in God, is cosmological. Cosmological. It's like cosmo. But... It has to do with origins and it has to do with causes. It means that anything that there is or any effect that there is, there has to be a cause behind it. And there has to be, if there's a creation, there has to be a, 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 a creator. And so it can't just be that something just exploded or something just, we just all ended here, ended up here. There has to be origins and there has to be a cause. Let me illustrate for you. Um, My brother and I, my parents had divorced. My dad moved to Ohio and we went up and stayed with my dad and he had to go to work really, really early. He worked for a place. uh, He was a milkman for a while and he had to leave for work like at four in the morning. That's back when they put the glass jars of milk by your door. That was awesome. I actually have one of those up in my office that is from the, the dairy that my dad worked for up there, which is kind of cool. And dad went home to be with the Lord in 96. Um, but he would take us over to, our, to my grandmother Gilligan's house. Important lady. She's also in heaven. Aggie, they called her. Her name was Agnes. She's the only person I know of that prayed for me until I was 12 years old. I don't know of anybody else in my life that thought about that that prayed for me. And she prayed for all the kids. And uh, my half-brother, Chad, he's in ministry up in uh, Toledo, Ohio, doing an incredible job. And there's grandkids in ministry and families serving God and good things going on. And I'm telling you what, Grandma Gilligan's prayers were part of that. So pray. And grandmas, I think you have some kind of... You get extra good audience with God. I think so. Amen. Well, he'd take us over to grandma's real early in in the morning. And I have all kinds of stories I could tell you, but I just want to go to this one. And there was some, and it was a farmhouse. 
and they had this old barn and spend part of the day just going through the barn, trying to kill rats, finding stuff. And then, and then there were old BB guns and stuff like that. And so we go out in these woods. And my brother and I, our mindset was, I think we're the first people ever in these woods. <laughs> they were just so overgrown and everything. That, and we had BB guns. We had a little pocket knife that was so rusty you could hardly get it open. But we had it because you've got to be prepared. So we're out there just doing stuff, you know, and we've got snacks and we've got apples that we stole off of some of the apple trees and they're so bitter and hard, you know, but, but we had them. If we get stranded, they'll ripen. You got to be ready. Anyway, let me, we're going along and just feeling, and, and I will never forget this, and I'm, I'm probably like fifth grade. And it's summertime, we're up with my dad and we're in the woods and we're in the middle of these woods that we're pretty sure no one's ever been there before. And I'm, I'm promising you, we're walking along and all of a sudden, there's a baseball. <laughs> now, it's a little bit weathered, but there's nothing on top of it. A baseball. We went a little bit further and there's something kind of sticking up. You know, it's kind of flat in some trees. But and all of a sudden, there's something kind of sticking up with vines all over it. And you know what it was? It was a tractor. It was an old tractor. What did that prove to us? Someone had been there before. You know what else it proved? Somebody had to put this here. Somebody had to put this here. Somebody had to put that there. And you know what? That's part of the cosmological argument. That, and, it gets, and there are some anointed men and women of God that stand on the front of the battle line and defend our faith. Some incredible people. Uh, Ravi Zacharias would be one of, the, one of the chief guys way up front. You need to look up some of their stuff. Uh, and I'm so thankful for them. They go on to campuses and debate atheist professors and geniuses. And you can find ratings on those things. And almost always, they totally win. They totally win. Because truth always overcomes reason. And they know, how to, they know how to do that. Another way is evidential, evidential. And by this, we point to creation. We point to creation. Have you all ever noticed creation? Yes. Creation will, will tell you some things. Let's look at some scriptures real quick. Ooh, I've got to hurry. Uh, Romans one twenty. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, get this, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. In creation, creation always tells something about the creator. Always. You know, if there's a child in kindergarten and all he does is scribble in black and red and breaks his crayons doing that, that's going to tell you something about the creator. And then if somebody... You know, Walt Disney, when he was little, he drew some flowers in art class and he put faces and smiles on them. And his teacher came over and said, flowers don't have faces. And Walt Disney looked up at her and said, mine do. (laughs) Y'all ever heard of Walt Disney? (laughs) But creation's going to tell you something about a creator. 
Let's read a little bit further. Psalm 19, verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the heavens, we're not talking about the heavens that we're going to go to for eternity that we're talking about on Sunday morning some. But it's the sky. It's the firmament. It's the atmosphere that's around us. Stars and planets and clouds and, and, and colors. I'm, a, I'm amazed every day by sunrises and sunsets. They're incredible. Can I tell you something about sunrises and sunsets? Never been two alike. Varies color, shape, where he puts things. He does all things well. Amen. <sighs> Creator God. Listen to that same verse in, in the Message Bible. God's glory is on tour in the skies. God craft on exhibit across the horizon. That's beautiful. Job 12, verse 7 and 9, 7 through 9. But now ask the beasts, the animals, and they will teach you. And the birds of the air, and they will tell you. Or speak to the earth, and it will teach you. And the fish of the sea will explain to you. Who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this? Isn't that powerful? So evidential points to creation. There's the greatest evidence. Uh, Here's just a couple other things. Earth's proximity to the sun happens to be just right. A little further away, a little closer, no go. It's orbit. Uh, Most of the planets orbit around the sun in an elliptical fashion. The Earth's orbit is much more circular. And it has less extremes then of, of weather. There's constancy to it. The speed of the orbit. All of these things are just right. Listen, that does not just happen. Pastor James McDonald wrote this. I love this. He says, if you went into a room and saw a thousand dominoes standing on their ends in perfectly ordered succession, would you say to yourself, I wonder what blew up in here? (laughs) Where there's design, there's a, a designer. That's awesome. Two other arguments, just real quick. The moral argument. There's almost 7 billion people, just under 7 billion people on the planet right now. And throughout all history, and right now, 7 billion people almost on the planet have the same, believe it or not, the same moral DNA. Anthropologists have studied for years and years and years. You can find a little village, remote village. You can find a little a little community in some third world country. You can go to the largest cities in the world. There are people that have it distorted. There are people that have suppressed it. There are people that have seared and calloused it. But all cultures, all cultures, all people have the same moral DNA. It'd be a small tribe and there'll be a price to pay if you steal because stealing's wrong. It'd be a small tribe or a large city and you kill somebody, you're in trouble. There are certain things that just in, are, are written as a DNA moral code in all people. How did that happen? That does not just happen in that way that something not just physical but something moral would be there. And that's part of the argument as well. That, that really is a very intriguing one. And then lastly is a teleological argument, and that has to do with purposes and design. And I'm not even going to get into all, all of that tonight. I want to move on to something here just for, just for a few moments here. Um, beyond rational, like I said, is relational. And I think 
beyond theory and beyond even theology, here's, here's something that needs, needs to be told. And we have all these high arguments and rationale and some incredible thought that goes into this. But let me tell you the, I think the most important thing. Your story. Your story. And listen to me, look at me. You have a story. And some of you right now, your story is being written. There's still chapters going on in your story. I talked with two different people before service tonight. I'm wandering around talking to people. And I told both of them, I said, don't forget, this is part of your story. It's part of your story. And they're in it right now. They're in the drama and the trauma of chapter 7. How many of you remember chapter 7? Do you remember chapter 4? You know, and there's a story. And your story matters. I said, your story matters. Well, I'm too old. Who told you? Who told you? You are carrying more experience, should be, and wisdom. You're a resource. The Bible said, let the older teach the younger. Let them model some things. Let them have relationships. Part of my dream, part of my goal of some things to happen is we're able to connect young and old in this multicultural, multi-generational church family. We need to have the resource that happens there. And we, all, <coughs> excuse me, we also need the life and the energy and the creativity to fire up the wise. Did I say that right? But here's what's important. In all of this, beyond just philosophical and rational and logical is your story. And we all have a story. And let me, let me go through this. Share your story, but share your story in a relatable way. Have I ever told you around here, don't be weird for Jesus? If there's ever a moment, it's the moment where you share your story. And I just wrote this down. I know this is extreme. Share your story in a relatable way, not this way. Well, Jesus came to me at the third watch of prayer with four horsemen and I turned into a green mist. And then several, seven petals of the cornflowers of Egypt descended in the form of a sword. How many of you know at that point? It's like, in, in, and what medicines are you on or, or should be on? Okay, real quick here. And I'm going to take a little more time and expand on some of this next week. You need to share briefly. Everybody say briefly. Briefly, your story, and you're to do a couple of things. You need to share the process. And in that process, you say, you know what? I was this, and this was going on in my life. And you know what? You share brokenness. Look at me for this. Never project perfection. Well, I was born, born again. Praying in the spirit. The only sin that I had was one time I was overzealous for the things of God. Yeah, right. You comfort others with the same comfort that you yourself have been comforted with by God. Your scars are incredible stories. Your tragedies, your triumphs are trophies. And somebody is going through chapter 7 and they didn't even know there was a story going on. And you're able to say, you know what? When I was in chapter seven, or when I was in chapter two, process, lead them then to an event. And then one day, 
somebody said, and I'll go to my story real quick. Would you receive Jesus as your Savior then? Walk me through a little yellow book. Have you heard of the four spiritual laws? Is there any reason why you wouldn't want to receive Jesus as your Savior? And I said, no. I believe. He said, let's kneel by this couch. That was the event. The event. I still can smell my pastor's hair tonic. As he prayed and wept with two little boys, my brother and myself, an event took place. But then they've got to know this too, the impact. Well, did it matter? No, I became a pirate. (laughs) And again, you don't project perfection. But you share your story. I'll never forget there's a lady in our in our church years ago, had a hard time sleeping, could not sleep, could not sleep without narcotics, could not function through her day without medicines to control her fear. She started coming to church, was very shy, was a single mom, was kind of backwards and never stepped out much at all. And you know what she told us after a while? Just being around the people of God, giving her life to the Lord. And sitting under the word, she now used no medication. You know, that's an impact. Some people would say, I was so angry or I was, I never had any peace or I was this or I was that. You've got to let them know the impact and always throw in there. I haven't arrived yet, but I'm not what I was. And God is doing something. You project something that no one can attain if you even try. Plus, you're lying if you try to project perfection. Five minutes? And really, I'm trying to honor time on, on all our services because I don't, I don't want you to come and go, oh, we'd go one Wednesday, but he goes on and on and on. All right. Your life... And your story have to be congruent. Okay? So if they're a coworker or a neighbor or whatever, you know, they can't see you busting up, you know, lawn equipment and then come over and tell them about the peace of God. <laughs> Just a thought. The Bible does not does not attempt to prove God's real. It just speaks as though he were. And that's the way we're to live. We don't need to have a chip on our shoulder going around trying to prove that God lives. Just live as if he does because he does. Amen. Amen? Amen. And this is not about a win. This is just about living with, with God in our lives. And maybe you can't for a person prove to them that there is a God. But you can Show them Jesus. And that's why our attitude and our approach are so, so vital. I'm going to give you four things, I think, just super quick. As your part, when you part from a conversation, and how was that conversation with an atheist or an agnostic? How were you courteous, gentle, 
respectful. Did y'all miss that part of the message? And they may even be a little uptight, but who are you representing? And you don't get to a place. All right. I was trying to be kind. No, you don't, you don't shift that gear. Don't shift that gear. Just stay right in there. But as you part from them, there's four things that I want you to invite them to do. And tell them this. Right? You say you don't believe in God. You don't believe there is a God. I do. I really do. And I want to ask you to do something and you have nothing to lose. You have nothing to lose. I want you to read. Just read the words of Jesus. Just go to the book of John. We probably need to get some book of John's. Red letter edition. Just go read. You have no idea how powerful and how supernatural the words of the Son of God standing on planet Earth, fulfilling the mission of God, came to share good news and truth and be light. Those words still are alive. I said those words are still alive. Invite them to read. Second thing is this, pray. And this is going to have two prongs to it. Tell them to do this. Invite them. Hey, I know you say there's no God. But I want to invite you to throw up a prayer. You're talking to an atheist, an agnostic. I want to invite you to just throw up a prayer just kind of like this. God, if you're real. God, if you're really out there. Show me. Look at me. Do you know God loves to answer that prayer? He loves it. And tell him, hey, you got nothing to lose. But just take a moment, try to be heartfelt, and just throw this out to God. God, if you're really real, if, if you're really out there, then let me know. And so you want to invite them to pray. And then you're going to tell them, and I'm going to pray for you. I've actually had a guy tell me this years ago. He said, don't pray for me. And I said, you can't stop me. (laughs) And if there's no God, why would you be afraid? I'm going to pray for you. And what I'm going to pray for you is that God would show himself real to you. And I want to tell you something. Listen to me. It's haunting. It's incredibly haunting. When you tell somebody, I'm praying that my God, the God that I believe that's been so real in my life, I'm praying that he will show himself real to you. They will not shake that. It'll be there with them. Amen. And one last thing. I want you to remind them of something. Tell them, I care for you. And God loves you. Tell them that. Now, hear me on this and then I'll wrap this up. We don't set up these occasions. The Holy Spirit has to be involved. You can't be God's little soldier. I'm going to go today. Find me somebody. Even if you convince them, the Holy Spirit has to be involved. Here's what you do. You start your day. Lord, if there's anybody 
anybody, anywhere today that you want to use me to somehow be part of the whole process, help me. Show me that moment. Show me what to do, what to say. And folks, really, it's pretty easy. You don't need to, and then uh, it's cosmetology. There's a baseball in a woods. Gotcha, didn't I? And you care, and they're not a target. You're just another person that's created in the likeness and the image of God. That God could use you to share your story and invite them to read, invite them to toss up a prayer, tell them I'm going to pray, it'll haunt them. And then let them know, and I care, and God loves you. Amen? We'll spend a little more time on this. I hope this is helpful. I, and listen to me. I felt a little urgency. I really did. I felt a little urgency to go ahead and push through these last few moments to make sure that we, we got all of this tonight. Because you know what? Some of y'all might need that tomorrow or Friday or whatever. Amen. Did you get anything at all out of this tonight?